Good morning, Jay. Morning, Manish. Good morning. How, good morning. How are you doing? All well, all well. I know you're feeling better. Big weight off your shoulders. I'm feeling on top of the world. Congratulations you know. again for all that. For all of you that don't know, Manish has just passed his uh, level three CFA. Congratulations again. Thank you, thank you, Jay, and. And thank you for anyone who's listening to this podcast and sent a message on LinkedIn or WhatsApp or whatever. But feels great. All the effort was worth it. Absolutely. 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 Super. So this is session two, guys. And and this time we are going to be talking about asset allocation. Something that you hear, I'm sure, if you're listening to this podcast, you would have you would have heard about asset allocation in in you know in a podcast somewhere else, or you would have read about it. And this time. We thought we will talk about it so that you get a complete picture of what it means. Yeah. Right. So, Jay, you wanna you wanna take off from here. What does asset allocation refer to? What does this this loaded terms means? I mean, so last last episode or, or last podcast, we spoke a little on the different types of asset classes, such as equities, which is stocks. We spoke on bonds a little bit. We spoke on real estate. We spoke on commodities. We spoke on currencies. But now the big question comes, Manish, how, or Manish or Jay, if I'm an individual, how, where do I begin? You're telling me all these terms, should I invest in all of them? Or should I invest in only one? Or I, I hear Bitcoin is doing very well. Should I invest in Bitcoin? And the asset allocation strategy is is really the determinant of how you kind of weight each of those assets in your portfolio. So we'll talk a little bit about how you can decide the weights of, of those asset classes in your portfolio. But taking one step back, understanding what each of those asset classes gives you is paramount before you make your asset allocation. So understanding what an equity is, understanding what a bond is, understanding what a commodity is, having understanding of all of those things is essential before you start waiting or deciding where you want to put your assets. Absolutely. And the whole idea of asset allocation also is to spread your portfolio in a way that you don't land up over concentrating in one particular asset class and get stuck with it. You know, having a 2 million dirham property and having 50,000 dirhams in stocks is what we normally see people doing. Feels good to say, oh, I have a property and all, but uh, it's a highly, this is where asset allocation goes for a toss. Though people may say that, oh, I have all the assets, but sometimes if you don't have a sense of how you want to allocate your assets, you will, you might be very less, you might be having very less exposure to a particular asset class and overexposed to a particular asset class. And that's why having an understanding of asset allocation is so important. And that's why Jay is talking about the fact that understanding what all do you have options for and then you know having an idea of how you want to spread your portfolio in all of that is a very very helpful exercise to go through you could either do it with the money you have right now and then decide what percentages how do i want to put this money in different assets or you could some of you are starting your accumulation stage or starting to accumulate money for investment maybe you could think of how you want to build a portfolio in time to come both Asset allocation applies to both kinds of investors. And if we transition a little bit into what happens if you don't have a plan or if you don't have, what are the drawbacks to not formulating 
at least mentally what your asset allocation strategy should be. So an example could be like Manish said, you now have this, this, this property that is 2 million dirhams worth and you have a stock of 50,000 dirhams worth. So assuming you only have these two things, your, your investments is fully or more than 90% in this house. Now, what happens is when it's fully there, if the market goes down, hypothetically, for the real estate market goes down, as we all know, and Dubai happens and goes, happens and comes. And in those periods, it's very difficult for you to sell your asset. Chances are you could have lost your job. And then what do you have as, 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 your, as your safety net? You will find it extremely difficult to liquidate your house. Chances are you've taken a mortgage on this house, which means that even if you will be liquidating this house at less than 2 million, so you'll probably be liquidating this house at 1.5 million, you owe the bank 1.7 probably, which means that instead of you thinking you're worth 2 million, you're actually worth 200,000 dirhams of debt. So not planning your asset allocation strategy properly is very, it could be the make or break for your future. And one, kind of statement that properly resonates with me i still remember my the, the ex-cio of my company i mean this is a person that that really puts practice to what he believes in and what he studies and i'll give you an example of that so this man he told me you know i he probably makes a lot of money and he's worth a lot of money but he's like, I only have one house and my one house is in, is in Switzerland. It's my family home. I have it there because if any time I want to, I, I lose my job or it's, it's something that I'm, I'm happy keeping. It's, it's, it's illiquid. I know it might not sell for how much I bought it for. That's fine. It's just a place for me to live. But that constitutes less than 5% of his net worth. And the, the rest of the 95% of his net worth is properly invested in extremely liquid assets, be it ETFs, equity ETFs, bond ETFs, Bitcoin. And, and I can say just to just to take this a little further, I just also to give a disclaimer to people listening to it, that gentleman who Jay is referring to has has an insight and I'm sure has put in a lot of time to understand the asset classes that he has a 95% exposure to. Absolutely. And 5% exposure to property. And many equity investors don't have more than 5% in property. Anil Goel, I was reading about a massive investor in India, a very, very successful investor in India. And when he was interviewed, he said he, his entire asset allocation properties is 1%, which is yeah. technically one house which he would be staying in in South Bombay. But at the same time, there would be investors who may have 90% in real estate because that's all exactly. they understand. And maybe 10% in something else. So, so many a times asset allocation is so important for people purely because you may not have a deep insight in a particular asset class. Exactly. And that is and that is a, you might never be able to have a 90% in, in one asset class. So so it completely comes down. I'm writing a blog right now, Jay, which will come out after this podcast in, in a couple of hours. It will go out. And there's a video in that where, where Warren Buffett talks about diversification. And yeah. he says, and he says such a beautiful thing. In that video, he says diversification is a tool against ignorance. Such a beautiful, yeah. beautiful clip that is. But but we are talking to all of you on this podcast because many of you may not be putting in the time that Jay and I put in researching companies and investments that we make. And that is where asset allocation becomes so important for someone who may not have a deep insight in asset classes. That's why 
this conversation. Just to that point, in fact, somebody in my in the CFA class actually asked me. He said, you know, if this is your job, like, why don't you invest yourself in 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 stocks that you that you have spent you spent one week in like or maybe longer looking at this company you have so much insights on this company why don't you go and just buy those companies yourself if you're so if you're so confident on the upside of these companies and i gave him a very simple answer to this i told him you know with my own money it's fully in etfs it's fully mm. invested in something that is the total market so we'll talk a little mm. bit about the lazy bar portfolio later but by doing this what it helps me to avoid is say for instance for lack of a better example if i'm analyzing a cheese company in egypt now there's an element that my that my research captures which is oh these guys are going to make fantastic cheese it's going to be out of this world this company is going to blow up but tomorrow if the cheese factory burns down okay this stock has now crumbled to zero and and my 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 job is potentially at risk and my investments are gone so you want to diversify away from your from your job and your income by figuring out okay how do i diversify away from my job and my income let me invest all my money not pick stocks because picking stocks is my job i don't want to pick stocks for outside my job let the market do what they have to do and another reason i like to do that is is also because my job is a job where 9 to 6 sometimes 9 to 9 or 9 to 8 i'm constantly looking at markets and my mood is consistently driven by how the markets move which is very you know stressful i don't want my personal portfolio to also have have drive my mood if that makes sense so i don't want to be looking at the markets wondering what's happening to my savings i i just want it to be there and 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 it's there it's parked whatever happens to it happens to it i i know that if it falls to zero it's because the world economy is falling to zero for no other reason so that's a riff on asset allocation all right just for you all to get an understanding of uh of, of how it plays out uh, it plays out differently for jay it plays out differently for me like jay is researching on stocks and holding etfs okay i am researching on etfs and holding stocks so it's it's actually very different perspectives all right because of our professions all right but yeah. but point is we are very clear about what kind of asset allocation we are building so so to take it ahead from here we want to talk about the benefits of asset allocation so that so that you understand in in a deeper way one of the benefits that i can talk to you about all right is that you when you have diversified your portfolio in a way that you have stocks and you have bonds and you have cash and you have real estate one of the best benefits of of investing with an asset allocation in mind is that you will be diversified in a way never to get exposed to a massive hit that a market could give you like to jay referred to the real estate crash in 2008 i lost a million dirhams in that crash i bought a property one week before lehman brothers went bust yeah one week before 15 september 2008 lehman brothers went bust and i had you know it's it's called the fools you know the greater fools theory where you have to find yeah. a bigger fool a bigger fool than you to buy stuff from me and i think i was the last fool to buy the property in rimram which i called ramram for a long time all right but that in 2008 that property had constituted 100% Technically, ninety-five percent, if not hundred percent, of my entire portfolio. 
Yeah. And and it, it it was a big stupid dumb mistake I did. But but I learned and and that's the beauty of asset allocation that if I had asset allocation in mind that I won't have more than twenty five percent exposure. I would have never taken a hundred percent exposure to property. Today, pro- property is less than twenty five percent of my whole portfolio. But two thousand and eight. So, so just from a personal experience, one of the biggest benefits of asset allocation is that you're diversified to an extent that one asset class will not hit you bad and affect you or your mood or your lifestyle and so many decisions that you need to take. And especially if you have family members that depend on you, uh, it's just such a wise thing to. Exactly, and before we kind of talk about the benefits, if we we need to properly understand what are you trying to achieve at different stages of life, right? So, for someone who's older, maybe perhaps you have to be funding your kid's education, you have to be funding an education abroad or a good schooling now, and and all of these sort of responsibilities are there. So it's important to understand, okay. With these kind of responsibilities, I cannot afford to take that much risk. But perhaps, okay, after I've taken care of my kids' education and everything, I also want to be able to retire on a million dollars. And but even if I don't retire with a million dollars, I'm happy retiring with five hundred thousand dollars, for instance. So you can have that level of room where you're saying, okay, with my retirement portfolio, if I'm slightly younger, I can afford to take a little more risk. If I'm slightly older, I want to take less risk. So kind of being able, as difficult as it is, I know Manish, this is your job, but as difficult as it is to be able to quantify those goals is needed. And when you're younger, you start earlier, like we told, like we mentioned on the previous episode, what happens if you invest 5,000 dirhams? Start small, start young, and as long as you're investing in a diversified asset allocation strategy, that money will grow. We're not here to tell you invest that money into one stock. No. Into one property. No. Investing in a diversified set of assets that if the market falls, chances are the entire world has become poorer, not just you. So that is the, that is the way you need to be thinking of your asset allocation strategy. And if you start young, the money just keeps growing, keeps compounding. Some of the strategies that we'll talk about later in the call have averaged 8 9% every year. Perhaps that, that one may think that's not sustainable, but this is a strategy that's done it for 10 years and it's a very, very simple strategy. And so it's very important to, to start early and to hold a diversified asset, asset pool, basically. And if you start late, like I do, then make sure that you're healthy enough to have a longer, you know, runway ahead of you. Because sometimes some of us have done a lot of mistakes when we are young, but, you know, it it becomes so much more important to have a bigger runway ahead of you. So you could, you could let your money compound. And and the research that Jay refers to would be 10 years long. There are researches available with 20, 30, 40, 50 years, all right, of, of returns where, Portfolios with asset allocation models, all right, and as Jay said, we'll refer to a few of them uh, by the end of the end of the episode. If, even if they give you ten percent compounded per annum, it is so much better than going through one year where your entire portfolio gets wiped off. Because when when hundred dollars of yours gets wiped off and comes wiped off and comes down to five dollars, trust me, it is very very difficult for that money to give you a compounded return of ten percent per annum. Exactly, it, 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 you won't have the time. 
to get see that five dollars come back, and that's why Warren Buffett says an amazing thing: your first rule is not to lose money. The yeah. asset allocation approach allows you to implement that rule in your portfolio, where you 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 may have a portfolio built in that you will not lose your capital to be left at a place where you just won't see this compounding of ten percent plus per annum. Exactly. Any any other benefit that comes to your mind, Jay? Uh, a sort of side benefit, I wouldn't say a direct benefit, is like we spoke of before. It helps to maintain discipline by properly adhering to, let's say, a sixty percent equities, forty percent bond portfolio. Whenever you're investing, the next time, even if even if equities have done extremely well, let's say now by the pure case of math, equities have done well, bonds have come down. So that means your equities have gone to seventy and your bonds have come to thirty. You don't have this. Bias in your head saying that oh equities will do very well. Let me just keep it there and invest the next five thousand in that. When you dollar cost average the next time, you're automatically rebalancing, so it becomes sixty forty. So you're, you're correcting in a way where you're avoiding this bias of oh equities will just keep going up and up and up and up and up for the rest of your life. Then you should just be hundred percent equities if you believe in that. But by having that discipline by saying No, I'm going to be sixty forty. You're adhering to a to a to a asset allocation that you believe in, and you're rebalancing every time you put your money. and And that is the key to having, like Manish said before, not losing your money and having a diversified pool of money or investments that you can, you know, fifty thirty years down the line when you want to live in another country and you need and you just want this money there it's it's there yeah and guys i'll tell you living in another country is not that expensive you have 100000 $200000 you literally can buy a house in portugal and get their passport you know $200000 might be 10000 dirhams invested over a period of time and and you're there it's such a beautiful thing to have that money but i want to just take you know is add one more thing to what jay said about the discipline bit the best part about you know what he said about Booking your profit when your equity becomes seventy percent is that you are a human being. I, I think only humans would be listening to this podcast, and you have biases. And no matter what you say, how rational you are, a human be it, it is human to have biases. And the biggest yeah. bias a human has is overconfidence. When everything is going good, like see right now in bull rally, everyone feels they are kings. Like like you know, everyone thinks that they are stock picking abilities through the roof. Exactly. It's very difficult being in the job because you're constantly being told. Imagine when an investor who's invested with you is telling you that he's made seventy percent. What are you doing, making ten percent? Yeah, and it's it's demoralizing, demotivating. But these are high net worth individuals that that still have this uh, this overconfidence bias. And serving them, you cannot be like, no, you're going to lose all your money. You're making a rational decision. No, that's not the right way yeah. to, to to deal with the situation. But it's it's true. Over a long period of time, neither neither him nor me will will be able to consistently beat the market. But I at least will will lose to the market, I'm, and I'm confident in my ability. If I lose to the market, it will be at a much lesser extent than he will, because he's trying oh. to make concentrated bets. That is just gonna it's it's gonna ruin him. 
this overconfidence in bull market everyone is overconfident if if any of you get time read about dunning kruger effect it shows how human beings create traps for themselves so this friend of mine called me last and he says manish buy palantir which is peter thiel's company and ark uh, investors ark invest etf is buying it and i said bro good for you he said i'm making a lot of money in trading and i said good for you but i want to sleep peacefully i don't want to get up and look at stocks and their prices and all and till that time i have not read through and research and went through the annual report i don't want to buy He said, "No money issue," and he was so confident about Palantir giving him higher returns. That's what happens in a bull rally. Now I have a discipline, and that is why I am not even tempted about that tip that he's giving. Maybe that goes hundred percent good for him. I don't care. But yeah. when you have an asset allocation model in your mind, trust me, it's so peaceful. You don't have FOMO, fear of missing out that other ones are making hundred percent. You can sleep peacefully. and that's where this is this is such a these are few of the benefits of asset allocation approach since we're speaking about the benefits jay i suggest let's talk about the mistakes people do all right yeah. asset allocation is concerned you you want to you want to to begin with a mistake i want to just take that last example of palantir and it it might be a little bit of a side track for a minute but i i have not done my full research on the stock but being in in the industry of analyzing stocks i know this company a little bit and this is a company that over the last 3 days has gone up and down every day by 15% you do not want imagine saying that you have saved a million dirhams through your life and today you put it all in palantir imagine having that stress where shit i'm down 150000 dirhams Oh, today I'm I'm feeling great. I'm up one fifty thousand dirhams. Let me go buy dinner, and then the next day you realize you're down. You're back to to another fifteen percent, and and a, and a lot of people don't realize why the stock is moving this way. And and that's a different topic of discussion. It's all about short interest in this stock, heavily shorted stock, which is why it keeps getting short squeezed. It keeps going out of bound. But that's the thing. That's that's exactly what we're trying to tell you to avoid: is is do not get into a concentrated position like that. If you do believe in this company, well and good. You've done all your research, well and good. But even if you have, do not put all your eggs in one basket. Allocate a certain amount. Let's say you want to go sixty percent equities. Out of that sixty percent, say ten percent, take ten or maybe fifteen percent, and put it in companies that you believe in will. will do well for the rest of your life for me personally that's apple i think apple is a great company but even if me thinking apple is a great company i have so many reasons to love this company i will still not put all my equity portfolio in apple because it's not a diversified way of thinking so the drawbacks to not having an asset allocation strategy is you won't be able to diversify your your wealth that is currently there and on top of that you don't want to reach the age of 40 45 having to worry about the next 5 10 years you don't want to reach that age and be like how will i pay for my kids education or how will i retire or how will i do this or how will i do that you want that to be it's easier done now when you're younger to comfortably get to that position and be like okay i have this there i have this there it's all set because if you don't what happens is i find a lot of people who are older taking on even more risk because they think they try to play catch up and because they try to play catch up they end up taking a lot more risk they take on leverage they borrow money they invest in riskier 
asset classes. They take more concentrated bets. They see stocks go up by 10%. They're happy. Put in their 1 million. Let's borrow another million and let's put that all in Palantir. You know, you ha- because they, they want to be able to get into this get-rich scheme that just gets them through instead of working hard for the next five years, let's just get it out of the way in, in, in a month. And and that really is not logically, the, I always ask myself, I'm a very pessimistic human being. If everyone can do it, why why do you think you can do it better? And 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 really I keep asking myself that question every day. And and that's what drives me in my job. I keep I always tell myself that yes, I'm devoted, I love it, and I do think I'm better. But even I don't have the same amount of confidence that I see some investors with little to no knowledge of financial modeling or financial analysis buying stocks have. You know, this stock is going to double. This stock is going to triple. Warren Buffett himself cannot predict that, you know. He forget another stock. He can't predict stock of his own company. And it's such, exactly. such, a, such a humble figure. He says, I, I don't know what my con- stock's going to do, but uh, amazing people to follow Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, many of them. I, w- I want to share one more mistake that people do uh, where asset location is concerned. Now, when you put a stock, many of you have fancy platforms you use, Robinhood or IQ option, and I don't know what all you all use. Many of these options allow you to buy these stocks with leverage. Like, you know, I was just looking at a Bitcoin trade I, w- I was looking at doing. You know, just guess the leverage there. That that trade is giving me. 1 to 100. Probably 1 to 1 to 100. Now the screw up of that platform is it doesn't give me any option less than 1 to 100. Which means if I land up investing $1,000 in Bitcoin, let's say on that app, I'm not taking an exposure to Bitcoin of $1,000. I'm taking exposure on 100 freaking thousand $1,000. 1% Bitcoin drops. I'm wiped off. And it doesn't... Actually, be- you'll be wiped off half a percent. Because the, the app will close your position if you're, if you're half a percent down. And that's the platform many of you have, you know, so you feel, oh, I'm only, I'm only buying $1,000 of Bitcoin or I'm only buying $5,000 Apple. No, many a times the mistake people do with asset allocation is the same. It's the same thing that happens with property. You think you're putting only that 100,000 dirhams in property as a down payment, but no, that 2 million dirhams property loan that comes in technically just overexposes you to a particular asset. So think about it. What is the exposure you're taking as a part of your whole portfolio instead of allowing deals and brokers and these fans? Hey guys, I'll tell you frankly, dealers, brokers, apps don't care about your financial freedom. They care about them getting their business, getting money out of your pocket. Nobody cares for your financial freedom. So don't ever think that there's Mother Teresa, uh, you know, around you. The only person that genuinely cares for your financial freedom has to be you. Every other one is a sucker for your money. And I've been in this industry for 15 years. My whole job is to get money out of clients' pockets. And we got to be the nicest and the... And and, but that's our job. Our job is to get money out of clients' thing. But I think, frankly, we have an incentive which requires us to also generate uh, income for the entities that we work for. But person who genuinely cares for my financial freedom or your financial freedom is you and me. So don't think that I'm other teasers outside. And to note a mistake that I've made, I know that Manish has mentioned real estate on his part, but a mistake that I've made is, you know, I mentioned that I personally, I love Apple. I think it's a great stock. And way back when, I think maybe two years ago, when I had just gone into, just started my career, I did this exact same thing. I over leveraged 
Facebook. This this was Facebook back when it was one twenty five dollars. I think I took twenty x leverage. And what happened was I was so confident in Facebook, so confident. And then in in two days, my position was entirely wiped out because Facebook fell five percent. But my mistake. Your call. Your call was right, technically. My call was excellent, and, and oh. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm some genius. I, in oh. fact, I didn't do any research on this company. I just top of my head thought that this is a great company, undervalued. I, I was saying undervalued because just because it hadn't rallied more than the other stocks that rallied around it, but that is a complete misconception. The, the the thesis of, and I still think Facebook's a great company now, but with a little more research done in it. Indeed. um but back then i didn't had i not leveraged to that extent i would have made probably double my money now and and that's a mistake with leverage 100% I mean, you would be 100% on your portfolio and another thing people don't realize when they take on leverage manish this is a key part i i know we're divulging a little bit but when when you take this 1 is to 100 leverage right The ninety nine percent because you're only putting one thousand dollars. The ninety nine thousand dollars is technically being funded by a broker. So the broker, what happens is they charge you interest on that ninety nine thousand dollars, which a lot of people don't realize is happening. So that ninety nine thousand dollars is actually costing you money. Even if you make five percent, you in a year on that ninety nine thousand dollars, you would have lost it all in interest cost to the bank. so understand properly the costs charges always keep asking yourself these guys are here to screw me i think as indians were trained to believe that everybody around you is 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 here to to not do things that are in your interest and and that helps especially in 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 the world being, of being skeptical helps big time unfortunately big time. humans are you know optimistic or or just carefree in their nature with everything please be skeptical asset allocation is a model that allow that just builds skepticism in your portfolio so that you never overexpose like i was right with bitcoin jay i bought bitcoin at 11000 but it was yeah. a leverage position okay it was a 1 is to 3 leverage and my position got wiped off when it crashed 50 but when it went to 3500 but i was right 11000 was going to 55000 i would have made 400% on that position but the wrong thing i did is i was on a platform which didn't allow me to buy bitcoin without leverage If yeah. it allowed me to buy Bitcoin without leverage, you know it would be four hundred percent position today. So don't get seduced into into many traps laid out, fancy yeah. stuff. Okay, ask yourself how much are you actually allocating to it. So so these are the few mistakes. There are so many which might take a podcast alone, but we'll move on. All right, to few heuristics or a few you know thumb rules that you can follow with asset allocation models. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jay, any 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 asset allocation model comes to your mind like a one twenty minus one twenty minus your age works. Okay. You want, um, you want to talk a little bit about what it means? Yeah. So what one twenty minus your age is telling you it it is automatically adjusting for your age. So it's saying one twenty minus let's say I'm twenty five, twenty six. So. it's saying that 120 minus 26 which is 94 my because i'm 94% should be in equities and 4% should be in bonds and as i become older by pure maths that 120 minus my age let's say becomes 120 minus 60 so that now it becomes 
60% equities, 40% bonds. And you can obviously tweak it here and there. 60% equities, 40% bonds at the age of 60 may still be a little risky, but that's your own call to make that decision. So having, I, I, I really like that model because it kind of adjusts for your age. That's, that's one heuristic approach. We can talk a little bit later on the Lazy Boy portfolio that I personally follow, but Manish, if you have any other heuristic approaches that you like. Another use thumb rule, okay? Thumb rule doesn't mean that there is a massive scientific research backing it. You know, but sometimes the thumb rule that people follow is, you know, 50% bonds and 50% equity. There's no, there's no research backing it, which we're going to talk about Lazy Boy, all right? But it's a simple heuristic. If you, if you don't want to have research backing, it's a simple heuristic that 50% of my money is in bonds, 50% is in equity. So I'm never exposed to any particular asset class massively. I'm not, I'm not overexposed. Now, if, if you had a real estate portfolio, you know, the more portfolio or more asset class we talk about, then you need scientific backing to it. But this is a thumb rule that, that we're talking about. So 50%. In cash or bond, 50% in equities is also something that you could land up following so that you don't overexpose to a particular asset class. Exactly. Understand that when we do refer to equity, it includes everything. Equities, ETF, equity ETFs, equity funds, all right, equity component of your of your mixed fund, which are both bond and equity. So, so you got to also have, you have the onus on you to track your entire portfolio so that you're able to, on an Excel file or Google Sheets, figure out out of the entire portfolio how much makes equity. You know, like I was talking to a particular client uh, on Thursday and and we were discussing about the equity component in many of his funds put together was coming to 49%. But that onus lies on me as an advisor or you as an investor uh, for you to figure out what percentage of the portfolio makes for equity, makes for bond and have it on an Excel or a Google Sheet. Having it on an app is damn simple. But let me tell you, technology makes it convenient. Doesn't mean it's going to make it profitable for you. Well, you know? very well said. Very well said. So these are the few thumb rules. But I, I guess it'll be better to riff on few research-backed models where asset allocation right. models are concerned. And that's where Jay is going to take you through two of, two of the stuff. So a lot of friends I have have well are young because i'm i'm 26 jay's young and that's why jay keeps referring to okay you're young start young start young i'm 40 that's why i keep referring to even if you're old it's never late <laughs> it's never late yeah <laughs> but this website that i'm about to tell you is an excellent website for where to begin it's a website called lazy portfolio etf and the website comes well the name for the website comes because of what is well known to be a lazy portfolio. A lazy portfolio is for the longest time outperformed the S&P, outperformed a lot of benchmarks that, that exist in the world of investing. And it's a very, very simple asset allocation strategy. All it is, is 60% US large cap equities and 40% bonds. And this and, and the website literally tells you the two ETFs you have to buy. It's telling you 60% BTI, which is the Vanguard total stock market, and 40% bonds, which is the Vanguard total bond market. So it's you're literally putting 60% of your money in the total stock market and 40% of your money into the total bond market. And just for some return metrics, over the last 10 years, this portfolio has averaged 9.71% every year. Now, guys, that is, it's a fact. But this is now 9.7% per 
every year for the last 10 years now whether that will continue is is up to every is is up to the markets but this is a diversified enough asset allocation strategy that is just made up of two ETFs you're literally just buying two ETFs and it's giving you enough diversif- diversification to go through the good times and the bad because and just to give you little numbers on this when jay says 9.7 odd percent that means 100000 dirhams would turn into quarter million dirhams you know irrespective of what happened to the markets 10 years making your money 2.5 of what you put in is pretty good rate of compounding so sometimes 9.7 looks small when we are in a bull run like we are right now that's a, yeah 9.9.7 is is phenomenal i mean if if you just use compounding to kind of understand wh- how like what is how much 9.7% is like manish rightly said you know it's it, it becomes a lot of money if you think about it so just if you keep investing your money into this lazy boy portfolio it is it's it's just it's very simple it's very easy to understand and and what i like to tell people especially who are young and beginning and 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 don't know leave us at the young part even if you don't understand a lot about the investing space i like to tell people okay now you have 60% in equities and 40% in bonds correct as you educate yourself make calls out of the 60 so let's say for instance you think now the 60 is 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 us large cap primarily instead of that 60 us large cap let's say you have an educated enough call to say no jay i think for the next 10 years uh emerging market equities will do better than us equities so sure out of the 60 take 40 out of that 60 to put towards emerging market equities which you will find in etf i'm sure go again this is lazy portfolio lazy portfolio etf tells you asset allocation strategies and if you ever want to find an etf for something that you do well or or you think will do well there's a website called etfdb it's etf database etfdb.com whatever you want let's say you want indian stocks and you think indian market will do well it will give you an indian etf so you say j okay out of that 60 i think 40 emerging markets will do well so i want to go 40 20 cool you can do it so keep narrowing it down as you educate yourself and then within that 40 emerging markets let's say you say tech in emerging will do better than the rest of emerging so out of that 40 you say 30 goes to tech out of that tech you let's say you keep narrowing it down to the point where you put not taking a concentrated position to the point where you say okay i think 5% i want to put in alipay i think alipay will do very well in emerging market tech sure you're good to go so as the 60 40 at the very least creates a starting point it creates an umbrella that you can now narrow the more you educate yourself but if you if you don't start with the 60 40 you'll keep giving yourself excuses and what happens when you keep giving yourself excuses you'll never start you know and the good thing about investing is that all etfdb and all databases all screeners all the stocks every product is is technically available to you at a click of a mouse but there is a disadvantage to it also like medicines are not available easily you got to go to a pharmacy and many times give a prescription that is when they'll give it to you doesn't happen with investing so i would only add one filter over here you have all this available but have someone who's learned enough that you can talk about this bounce it off so that you don't in a state of excitement Uh, or fear take a stupid decision when when you're fearful you'll sell everything 
because you're panicking and when you're super excited you won't even know what you're doing it's like gambling you know when when you're in a casino you don't know you're betting everything that that you're carrying in your in your wallet so exactly so, so like when i go to a casino okay i'm not in any way trying to say investing is casino i'm just saying how human mind tricks you so when i go to a casino me and my wife have a discussion how much are you willing to blow some days it'll be 500 dollars and it has never crossed 1000 dollars but there's a limit and once i'm once i'm done sometimes i've been wiped off in half an hour and that's an agreement i have with my wife i got to walk out so it always helps to have a filter a sounding board in place that makes sure your human emotions don't run you don't don't make you go to the extremes of fear and greed exactly and even if you when you go to the lazy portfolio etf site that i mentioned you will see other asset allocation strategies that are done even better than this but there's a reason i'm saying 60 40 is because there's a lot of other factors you have to analyze the standard deviation how much it's moved this what is the drawdown there's many other factors that that play into what is an ideal asset allocation strategy but like manish said bounce it off somebody who's who's learned who's in the industry and who is not there to to make you the greater fool basically in, in fact sometimes it's just better whom you're bouncing off is not your broker best thing to have someone who is not going to benefit out of you or you have any deal to place with him that way you know he'll be rational and not having an incentive to to recommend you stuff exactly. it's like it's like having a doctor like my masi is a doctor jay all right my mom's sister and she's got nothing to gain because we are not a patients technically she won't even charge us if we go to her but she's a doctor and we are family we get a very rational straight in your face opinion that she has to give it's just so good to have someone whom we can talk to who we know is not going to treat her like a patient or a client exactly exactly and 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 take advantage of of those kind of resources around you you know anyone listening to this podcast is welcome to to talk to either one of us and and i always say take advantage of that it it helps it really helps yeah take advantage of people who love this stuff this is boring stuff for 90% of the people in the world yeah. going through balance sheet gross profit margins and you know cash flow statement it's boring stuff for 90 but jay and i are very excited about it we don't mind going through a 300 page annual report we love it uh Absolutely. we 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 are a little it's different everyone's different we, we but we like yeah. it and there are many people like us who you can take advantage of for your benefit exactly exactly and and when you and and just coming to the to the part where me and manish love it i mean very few people compared to the rest of the world do a lot of people like watching netflix in their free time me personally i like watching like shark tank or shark tank for anyone that doesn't know is like a startup it's basically american idol but for startups and and i i enjoy watching that i enjoy critiquing what the judges have done wrong even though the judges are self made millionaires or billionaires but but that's what i'm that's what we're passionate about and when we're passionate about it we're willing to talk and educate and and all of those things with 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 no with no, nothing required in return and for anyone who's listening to this please please take advantage of it please so so that's on the lazy boy portfolio you want to talk a little bit about ray dalio's all weather portfolio for a few ray dalio's all weather portfolio has also done, ray dalio's all weather portfolio is also on the lazy portfolio etf it's a little bit more diversified it's what it's lower risk and when we say lower risk what it really means is a term called standard deviation we, we won't get into the details of that 
But Reed Alu's portfolio in the last 10 years has, has got a 7.7% every year. And the portfolio is invested in, in five different asset classes. It's invested 30% in the total stock market, which is the same in the in the 60-40. That was 60. This is 30. Uh, 40% in long bonds, so 20, 20 plus year bonds. 15% in shorter shorter bonds, so three to seven year bonds, and then seven point seven point five percent in gold and seven point five percent in in the in in a general commodity index trust. So he has fifteen percent in commodities basically. Ray Dalio is is very is is even with his own money and and with his own hedge fund and and and, and the likes, he is extremely invested in commodities. He believes. 15 percent he's actually bullish if you read i think his last is his last report that he published he was he published in a very interesting read on on precious metals if anyone's interested in that aspect so yeah this is a little more diversified versus the 60 40 lazy bar portfolio but there's many 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 asset allocation strategies that you can follow and these are just these are just two that that kind of scratch the surface absolutely absolutely so, guys, the intention of this podcast was just to get you started to think on asset allocation-based approaches, uh, to take this seriously. Investing is not all 100% on Bitcoin and partying the next day. You're ultimately building a nest egg for your retirement. Just imagine, quarter $200,000, a house in Portugal, you know, with a Portugal European passport, if that is what excites you. Just on that point, for me personally, you know, a year ago, I think a year and a half ago, I went to, I went to Nepal. Huh. And personally, a, a European passport does not excite me because I'll be paying taxes there. Yeah. But I was like, okay, I want to retire in Nepal. And I made it, for some reason, this was like this objective that I had. And it's a very nice objective for me because I'm like, it's really not expensive to live here. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I and can go there. A lovely place. It's beautiful. You know, I was in the mountains. Just on the base of of Everest, like close to the base. Of were, were you in, were in Pokhara? I was in Pokhara, yeah. Okay. And when I was in Pokhara, you know, there was a. I was staying in a hostel, and a ten minute walk from my hostel, there oh. was a beautiful cafe. Beautiful means beautiful cafe, and I would go there every morning because like a a milkshake and breakfast came to like five dirhams. Okay, it was that cheap. But the but the restaurant was started. Started with the, the cafe was started by an Australian guy, oh. uh, actually an Indian guy who was married to an Australian lady, and they both just at the age of forty packed their bags from Australia and were like, you know, this is where we want to live. And I was like, this is the dream, you know. I've always wanted to kind of start up a restaurant. Everybody is like, it's the worst thing you could ever tell a financial advisor or anybody in finance because it's the the toughest investment you can possibly yeah. make and the most amount of use of time and the chances of failure and blah blah blah. But once I want to, I want to be in that position where I'm 40, I have a nest, I have a safety net of 45 or whatever. And it's just, you know, you're with your family or your wife and you're over there and it's, it's so peaceful. It's so satisfying and you're just at peace with everything around you. It's, it's, it's beautiful. The beauty is the optionality that you get by going asset allocation based approach you have options to choose how you want to live your life you won't have an option to choose if you don't land up saving money and letting it grow at exactly. and compounding it you're just going to be left at the mercy of a lot of situations and circumstances in life 
which we see left, right, and center. Jay has people in in his friends and relatives, which he's seen. I have people in my friends and relatives who are victim of circumstances. But actually, no one's a victim of their circumstances. It just comes down to doing the right thing for a long period of time, so that eventually it pays off. So exactly. So take take this approach, uh, and it will pay off handsomely. Exactly. Exactly. So guys, that's it for session number two. Jay, anything we missed out? No, I think we've we've nailed the box. We've nailed all the boxes that we wanted to. But really, the if we have to take away one thing, it just comes down to set a goal that that you want to accomplish, and 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 how much you think you'll be comfortable with, and just begin to start. Because the the longer you start, the longer it takes you to start putting your money in, it's just gonna hurt you more. And 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 yeah, just start. <laughs> So that's it, guys. That's it from us. Wishing you a fantastic day ahead and looking forward to see you next week. See you guys. See you guys.